Man, I was selling drugs. I was hanging around superstar rappers like Future, man, and hanging in Playboy Mansions, being with playmates, like partying with playmates and celebrities. At the end of all this, I still felt empty. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Leg. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about famous rap stars' lifestyles, and if what they're rapping about is just entertainment, or are they rapping about something they're really experiencing in their lives? Rap music originated in the Southern Bronx of New York in 1973, and today, it is one of the most popular genres of music listened to. But what these rappers are talking about Is it just made up stuff to entertain you? Or are they talking about real things they did and things that happened to them? Well, today we will have Aaron Livers, who was a drug dealer in Baltimore, who also was making rap in order to fuel more popularity with his lifestyle. And all of it was about drugs, women, and money. Today, he's going to talk to us about how this happened for him and that ultimately, though he had so much, it was all nothing compared to his experience with Jesus. Want to find out if Jesus is real? Let's find out what Jesus did for Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the show. Man, thank you so much. Man, I just appreciate y'all having me. It means so much to me. Aaron, you're an amazing man because I think if I knew you before, it may have been scary. Because if I crossed you or did something bad, you may have probably harmed me pretty bad. But today, you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. So before when you were rapping, what was your inspiration? What were you rapping about? Were they real things or was it just entertainment? Um, for me, it was never entertainment. Mm. That's a real good question. I think a lot of people really need to understand. Um, rap music is like something that shaped culture, that shaped neighborhoods. You, you, you show me what a community is like and I can show you what rapper they're listening to because you can see the mind of that rapper like running that community. Whoa. Like controlling the community. Yeah, like controlling the community by the words they're using because the words had power and the influence what they were saying. Everybody wanted to live up to it. Uh-huh. So for me, I was like, man, and these dudes fake, they bluffing, they not living this life. This is my life they talking about. And my homeboy was like, bro, why don't you rap then? I was like, man, I ain't no rapper. I'm a trapper. We get money, man. Like, our life is like what they talking about. My home, like, well, why don't you rap then? Why don't you rap? I'm like, all right, well, you know what? And I rap, I made one song and I talk about my life. Hmm. I was talking about what I'm doing and people really could feel it. It was like I was preaching to them. Oh, it's like a form of preaching. Kind of like a different message. Is that right? A form of preaching, but a different message, but a spirit behind it. Dang. Yeah, yeah. A spirit behind it, yeah. That's actually influencing the culture to destroy you, keep them from knowing the truth. Now, Aaron, how did you get involved with selling drugs as a young child? I think as early as 12 years old. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, at 12 years old. So pretty much my mother was at the time using drugs. She got caught up at a young age on cocaine. Mm. She had dropped some drugs in the house and couldn't find it. And I found it. And me and my homeboy, we picked it up. We needed some money. So we went down the street and sold it to somebody. And they bought it from us. That was the first time we ever sold drugs. Wow. And so you're around it a lot, though. Like you knew that that was as good as money. 
Oh, yeah, we knew, yeah, yeah, definitely knew it was good as money, knew people was buying it. I mean, look at our neighborhood was surrounded by people who was making money all day. The neighborhood superstars had all the cars, the jewelry, and the reason they had everything because they was selling this product. So did you kind of look up to these people because they were powerful, they had everything? Is something that maybe you desired as a young man? Um, I know I've seen that a lot of young dudes from around my way, they was the only examples of a man that we would see. Mm, wow. Every single day on a consistent basis. Like, yeah, you'll see mentors when you go to school and stuff like that, but they wasn't fly. They ain't had no clothes. They wasn't jumping out cars with no jewelry on. Wow. You'll see them people go to school. They was kind of like basic type of dudes. And we would be, you know, around people who was flashy, you know, had a lot of money, pulling big knots of money out, bags of money, stuff like that. So you see that at a young age and you like get inspired, but not by the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, I understand that you never got addicted yourself to drugs, but you did get addicted to women. What do you mean? You know, how was this growing life as a popular rapper with lots of money at your disposal? How did this develop this addiction to women? I mean, the addiction for women started early in my life. You know, being home alone sometimes. I started having sex probably like seven, eight years old, like nine years old. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, so we was getting into that type of stuff early. Holy cow. We ain't had no guards on our TVs. We would actually find pornography in the VCR in our mother's house. By mistake, it was just still in there. And we press play, we like see these things in there. So next thing you know, I'm realizing, you know, what masturbation is at this time. So it's early age. Nobody told you that when you start something like this, that you can't turn it off. So I grew up consistently just seeking young girls out to get some, get some sex and consistently still having this masturbation thing going on. So as I grew as a young man and start making money, if you ever hear somebody or know anybody who make money, they'll tell you that money will make you more of what you really are. Mm -hmm. So having money allowed me to fulfill more of the lust that was already the desire that was already in me. Wow. I see. I see. So it just opens up for what you want. Now, I understand you're doing all this stuff, but your mother was a Christian. Tell us about your parents growing up. So I wouldn't really say my mom was like really a Christian Christian. I would say that she went to Catholic church. She believed it was a God, but she, she wasn't religious at all. So like growing up, man, you know, with her, it was more like my mother had a lot of um, expectations for me to be somebody great. I, that was her heart for me. Like if I tell her I can do something, she always believed that I was going to be able to be somebody. She always believed and had a lot of like confidence that like I wouldn't take the road I was going to take. And even when I took that role, she still believed that God would like get you out of it. Oh, what about your dad? I didn't meet my dad until I was like 12 years old. For the first time I met him, he came to one of my birthday parties. I see. And um, my mother met him. She ran into him at this market in Baltimore called Lexington Market. And when she ran into him, she was like, hey, you know, you need to come see your son. Mm. And he like, you know, OK, yeah, I know he was, you know, around, but I, I never knew where y'all was at. And he came to my birthday party. And at this time, he gave me 25 cents at my birthday party. And I was used to drug dealers already giving me money. So I looked at him and I was like, this can't be my father. Oh my gosh. So without your dad around, did you kind of grow up feeling insignificant? No, nah, I always felt like it was something special about me. I never felt like rejection. I always felt like, you know, I was somebody, I just didn't know what it was. I felt like I was special. Hmm. I never had that victim mindset. I always felt like, you know, one way or the other, I'm going to make it. It's, something going to happen. Something always going to happen. Yeah. And my mother, regardless of whatever she went through, she believed in me. She always built that confidence up in me to let me know that I was going to make it. So I had cousins, I had drug dealers around me. I had people to look up to who was actually playing that role as a father figure. My father, it was nothing for me. It was like, it ain't bothering me at all. Yeah. So Aaron, I understand when you were a drug dealer, money became the most important thing. Why is that? 
What did money mean for you at the time in your life? Um, it meant status, popularity, being able to take care of you know your family, mm. seeing your people go through college, and being able to buy cars for your older sisters. Like I bought my older sister a car, was able to pay for her car, be able to make sure she made it through school, being able to make sure my mother' bills was paid, being able to take care of my family, whoever needed you know to be taken care of, I could do whatever I wanted to at any given time. I felt invincible, like I had all the power. Oh. that's what money was giving me at that time. It was giving me, you know, uh, authority. People would do what I wanted them to do because they felt like I could give them something. Girls too. Yeah. Oh yeah. they most definitely women. Yeah. Women would definitely flock to you and do whatever you wanted to do just to be seen with you or just to say they know you just to be seen with you. Wow. That's crazy. Well, I understand this lifestyle brought you into places like the Playboy Mansion and partying with celebrities, but I want to have you back on our next show and talk more about where all the rap and wicked behavior led your heart to. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, for sure, man. Thank you for having me, man. God bless y'all. Awesome, man. Don't go anywhere. Let's go deeper into what you just heard right after the short break. Did you know that Evangelist Onlay also travels around the world speaking at gospel events? Yeah. Go to www.therealliferadioshow.com to learn more about us and what we are doing to impact the world and reach the next generation. Also, you got to check out our YouTube channel where Onlay explores different parts of the world and God's wonders, sharing insights and reaching people in different countries. Let's explore the wonders of the world together. You don't want to miss out on this one. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at www.therealliferadioshow.com. That's www.therealliferadioshow.com. Please help us to expand the reach of these shows. We couldn't do it without you. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? Well, this gets into the controversy whether or not music is powerful enough to control your thoughts or to control your desires. Does listening to certain music make you act in a certain way? Kind of like a brainwashing way? Psychologists and researchers say research suggests modern music has a way of brainwashing the young people of that day, almost like a way of controlling the masses. But do these music artists get up every day with the intention to control the minds of their listeners? Though it can be viewed that way, I think that is a very one-dimensional way of looking at things. Let me explain. Could there be more going on to music than we think? I would say yes. Music isn't just for our physical ears, but it's something that engages the mind, the thoughts of a person, and reveals what is already going on in someone's heart. Jesus never pointed to the idea that it was only outward influences that made us desire evil things. Rather, he said it was a condition that was already a desire deep down in the heart. It's written in Matthew chapter 15, 16 through 19. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You see, this was a controversy amongst the disciples and the religious Pharisees who hated Jesus. And they were arguing whether or not what they consumed was what made people unclean. 
Jesus was saying the thing that makes men and women unclean is not what they consume, but what is already living inside of their hearts. Jesus was saying that people speak from their hearts. And when people listen to that, they connect to that feeling, to that emotion, and in a sense, become a follower of what is already inside of the listener's heart. And as you're hearing, Aaron Livers was rapping about what was in his heart. He was rapping about all of the hurt, all the immorality, all the hopelessness. People who listened to it had something in their hearts that were encouraged from what he said with his mouth. Now, music is very influential, but will listening to worldly music have the power to totally control you? Well, only if you let it, but mostly what you listen to is what's really going on inside of your heart, according to what Jesus says. Now, there's no condemnation here, but there is a correction. We don't need to change the music we listen to, but we need a change of heart. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for the person who's saying, gosh, that's me. I do need a change in my heart. And I connect to certain things that are not so good because maybe my heart isn't lined up right. My heart isn't good. Lord Jesus, give us the revelation that we can get a new heart through you and that we can know you through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. You can shop online at www.therealliferadioshow.com and click on our merch page. Shop clothes, mugs, backpacks, and more. See you next time.